I light, I light, I light, light of the Father, light of the Father, light of the Father. We bring you light of the Father. He wants to bet light. He wants to bet light. He wants to bet light. He wants to see light. He wants to see light. He wants to bet light. We bring you I light, I light, I life, I light, I life, I light, I life. Says the Spirit of the Lord. Praise Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Praise your name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Okay, let's do 5. Hebrews chapter 5. from verse verse 12 praise God okay let's read from from verse from verse 8 praise God it says that though though he were his son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered Praise God. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have neither one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For Everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their, or their senses what? exercised to do what? To discern both what good and evil, praise God. Um, so it's clear that the, the exercise of senses here, which they are speaking concerning in, in verse 14, it says strong meat belong to them that are of full age, right? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Praise God. So, the senses, the, when they say discern, there is, it's not discerning between good and evil. It's 
discerning both good and evil. It's not, um, it's discerning, so there is discernment of good, right? Which is its own kind of, um, which is its own curriculum, its own of development spiritually. Then you have the other side, which is also what it calls the, which is the discerning of evil. Praise God. There are, are like two sides of a curriculum. That you, while you're learning this one, right, you are, you, are, you are learning also the other one. While they are teaching you discernment in this aspect, right, you must also be able to gain discernment in the other aspect. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, so, and it's also clear that the, the exercise of the senses here is a, is an answer is a remedy to dullness which he refers to in verse 11 right um, verse 11 said um, of whom we have we have many things to say we have many things to say and there are they are hard to be altered because you are, you are what? You are dull of hearing. So this dullness of hearing is not, is not like an audible external hearing. It's, it's the hearing, um, what, what makes hearing dull is the is the is a kind of weakness that is within. Uh, he said they are uh, they are hard to hard to be altered. The word altered in the New Testament is more than just sound. Utterance utterance means uh, it means the um, an authorized communication. Utterance is like you are, you can speak plenty of things, but you haven't you haven't had the the utterance, right? The, an utterance means it, you can't have utterance without an open door, without an an access, without a kind of without that which is to be uttered, having been granted, um, been made available. It's like part of the order of Ministry in the spirit. That's why you have to pray for utterance, right? That through utterance, like Paul was asking that utterance might be granted unto me. It wasn't that he doesn't have things that he can say, or that he has forgotten his own message and he needs to pray for. He said um, Ephesians six verse nineteen, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may that I may open my mouth. What? Boldly, and then make known the what, the mystery of the gospel. So, what he was praying for here is not that he has lost his ability to preach. It wasn't that. It's is and is it wasn't even just about the boldness. What what you need utterance is you need utterance for mystery, right? The the utterance is the power of 
the delivery of the communication of mystery. That because you want to teach, there are many things about the gospel that you can say or you can teach. Um, without, if you don't have utterance, you can, you can preach the gospel. You can even teach the gospel without utterance. Right? There are ways you can, there are many, and many, are many ministers who teach the gospel without utterance. And there is some aspect of the gospel which is put outside of the, the jurisdiction, the control, the administration of utterance. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The aspect of the gospel that is it's just put there. Right? And it's an allocation. It's not, it's not really an allocation. It's an aspect of the gospel that they left outside. They didn't bring it inside the house. They just left it outside so that anybody, even evil spirits, can preach that aspect. Even Satan sometimes unknowingly can also preach that aspect. Some, like Paul was saying, if you out of strife preach anyhow, as long as the gospel is preached, some out of jealousy, out of strife, out of all kinds of things, they can still carry aspect of the gospel and they can preach. Praise God. So the gospel, the gospel is a design. There's a way that, that heaven, that God designed the gospel. Praise God. If, if someone who doesn't like God comes here and he hears this gospel and he sees some things around the gospel, maybe he's able to smell a, a bit of the, the glory of it or the utility of it, they can take, gather things out of what is being shared and take it and go and begin to, to also distribute it. And the Lord can allow that to happen. And it can also help some other people to a certain degree, according to that which is left outside, right? which is not left within the, what I would call the administration of utterance. Praise God. But that thing of utterance, utterance is a program in the spirit. It's under the administration of the Holy Ghost. That's one of the things which um, the Holy Ghost, they kept in the Holy Ghost's um, in his hand is that key of utterance, the door of utterance, the, the power of utterance, the authority of utterance. Praise Jesus. is, is kept within the, the person of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And so when it comes to the, the mysterious aspect, the gospel has its outward aspect, which is what you can see from outside, right? But the gospel also has its mystery. It has its mystery. There is the, the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is only delivered through what you call utterance. And that utterance must be given. You, you understand that? Utterance must be what? Must be given. Another, another way to put utterance is utterance is... The utterance is the sounding of the oracles of God. Do you understand? Praise God. Or did I say utterance? Oracles of God. It's not, it's not every aspect of the gospel that is put within the administration of the oracles. There are aspects that are without the administration of the, of the oracles. Glory to Jesus. But um, there is... There is that which is kept within that administration of utterance, right? Which is what we call the, the oracles. The oracles of God is the, 
is the, the, the system of, of, you know, the system of the, of how they, of the curriculum of God speaking. You understand that? Uh -huh. How God speaks to people. Praise Jesus. But when he says, how to be altered in, in Hebrews chapter 5, praise God. Um, he said that, of whom? So, of whom we have many things to say and what they are hard to be altered. If they are hard to be altered, it means this particular thing, praise God, this aspect of the things which we have to say concerning this man are things that are, they fall into the category of, of hard to be altered. Do you see that? They are, they are on a category of what? What do you call it? Hard to be what? That it, to get to fetch the utterance of these things, there must be so much at play. Do you see them? Um, now, one of the, the reasons why the word is hard to be altered is because of the nature of the things. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The, because of the nature of the, the things, the composition, the way it's arranged, the, is, the, is, the, is the, the construct of the mystery. So it's about, it's a person, right? This person called Melchizedek, in the spirit, right, of who is the, the emblem, the, the summary of an order in the spirit. Uh -huh. And he said that of this man who has an order, of this order of man, and things pertaining to this kind of man, there are, there are two qualities about him, right? Many and hard. They, they are, that's a property of of things that pertain to this man, that they are of this person, of whom, of this person and of, uh, of his order, right? That number one, you must know that the things are many. When it comes to this area, this dimension of concerning this man, that you're, you're moving into many things. Say many things. Many things. Many things. Um, when you say many things, many, the word many, 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 those are, many uh, is, a, is a qualification of, that you use, it's trying to qualify everlasting quantities, right? It's a, it's, you can take lastingness and then move it from, from a from almost from from dimension of if you can think something the equivalent of time in the spirit shift it from that dimension of time and then move it into the dimension of matter materiality right is the way in the natural you have time is a kind of dimension praise god then you have materiality matter Right, which, is, which dwells in the spatial dimension is another kind of dimension in the natural. But those, are, those natural concepts, 
Praise God. Are we, are we okay this yes, evening? Yes, sir. Amen. Those concepts, they are all descriptive of also things in the spirit. There's also concept of timing. The Bible teaches you this. God has his own sense of timing. And they also calibrate um, natures according to what? To sense of timing. So you can, you can study Christ in his time dimension, which is what we're looking at when we talk of years and all of that. They study God in his own timing, right? Which is inside the times, his times, you which is calibrated according to, to light. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, and so why light is key in learning, right? When you can't, the reason why you can't learn light without light, praise God. Hallelujah. But light, light brings those two dimensions together, right? Light is able to, um, praise God, it brings, light brings visibility. Right, that's why you can't be, you can't learn God, you can't learn the things of the Spirit until you have been illuminated upon. Right, something for for you to begin to, to, for the heart to begin to pick spiritual concept, um, to begin to be able to to think and reason and meditate and fellowship in spiritual terms. Actually, it is by virtue of a light. There's a light that must shine upon the soul. Is a, is a particular, is a spiritual light that must shine upon the soul. Praise Jesus. That will, then that light will now begin to bring visibility right into things which the heart and which the soul should be able to see. Praise Jesus. Um, I hope you are able to understand my language yes, this evening. Glory to God. So, so you're seeing when you speak of many, many things, like I said, you can learn Christ from the dimension of the, um, his, his timing, his time. You can, start, you can learn him through that way. You can also learn him in terms of this time, but his materiality. That's when you begin to speak about his building. Right? Building means structure, composition of materials. Right? It's materiality. Then when you, the weight, actually the test of building is in, is in what? How do you test the building? Is in the, is in the solidity, the hard, how hard it is. Right? Two words. You can use hard or you can replace hard with strong. Like, they use it interchangeably in this place. Right? So, you... It's very clear that Melchizedek is a man of the strong meat. Is a is a is a man of the strong meat. Is is a man of the of from the realm of strength. Right, he's a product of strength. Right, is is strong. That is strength makes things concerning him hard. Right, so as hard as the things are, so. Are they in terms of to be altered? They are, they are hard to be altered. It makes it difficult to alter. Why does it mean? What does it mean? It's difficult to alter. It means that the power of utterance, where that keeps the things that concerns this man, is greater. It is the the power 
the, the dimension, the department of the oracles, which are those things that pertain to him as what? Glory to God. Uh, uh, it's, it's more difficult. Amen. And then it says, of whom we have many things. That word many, when it says many, many is, is also a language of time. If you're thinking of counting, if you're thinking of having, when you think of having, when they say there are many, is so for something to be, in other words, for something to be lasting, it must be many. If it's one, it will finish. If it's two, three, it will finish quickly. For it to be lasting, anything that must, that last, has many compositions. Do you agree with me? It's like for it to be, for it to be lasting, it must be many. It must, like it must be heaved up. It must become many. Another word for many is abound. It must be in abundance. If these things be in you, abound, and they abound, then you will never lack all of those things. Then so shall them be granted unto you an, an abundant entrance into where? Into the everlasting kingdom, right? Second Peter, into the everlasting kingdom. So there is no, there's no entrance into that which is everlasting without abundance. It must... It must become to. It must become many. It must become what? It must become many. It must become things. Must become many. When it becomes many, by many. Another way how you make things many is by the is a principle of multiplication, which is the the principle of multiplication is the is the is the is the root root principle, is a native principle of blessing. Uh, right? It's blessing. If you think you are bringing blessing, you have not finished blessing unless you make it many. Why am I speaking to you? That if, if, you, if you, you can start blessing, you don't start blessing with many at first. You start a little bit. You start many while you start blessing a little bit is to deal with the, all the hindrances for accommodation or for abundance, right? Blessing, to bless a thing is a long process. It takes skill. It takes specialty. It takes specialization. It's not easy. One of the most difficult things to do is to bless. Praise God. What did I say? One of the most, one of the most difficult thing to do what? is to bless and is a hard task. Only God can do it. In fact, for you to think in the sense of blessing, you, must be, you have to be possessed. You don't, naturally, the, the task of blessing, men can't take that task. It's difficult for a man. Men lose heart. If you, let's say, if you bring a soul that, that lacks blessing to a preacher who doesn't have, who is not possessed with something, who is just with his mind, just himself, and you bring a soul in need of blessing to that preacher, the preacher, what will happen? He will lose his mind. He will lose his heart. He, will, he, will, he won't be able to, to conceptualize the task. Do you understand? That's why a lot of, that's why um, one of the reasons why <laughs> the gospel is, is, is falling short in terms of its actual vocation 
And that's why in the church we can easily pick alternate vocations and alternate tasks when it comes to the souls of men because the task of blessing the soul is too extremely difficult. It's actually an impossibility for men who have not gained some kind of supernatural, whose, whose vessel, whose mind have, have not been, what, been, been possessed, been taken over by the, this, this spirit of blessing. You, you see what I'm saying? Is, is this, is blessing is a spirit. It's something that you can't bless with clear eyes. It's very clear. You can't bless with ordinary eyes. You will, you will, you, it's, it's a wearing, it's something that comes upon. It's, it's, it's different. It's like, it's blessing comes from, it's, an, it's alien to men, right? It's from an alien world. Are you understanding me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. What does it mean of bless? To bless. To bless just means to, to make rich, to make rich with, with properties of life. Uh, right? To, to, to bless means to, to make rich with spirit and life. Right? Spirit and life are, is what you call blessing. To enrich, to enrich with spirit and life. When you're able to enrich with spirit and life, right? Um, you, you have, you have, you have blessed. Right? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say, blessed be God who, had, who has blessed us. God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And who had blessed us with all what? Spiritual what? Blessings. Where? In what? In heavenly places. In what? In who? In Christ Jesus. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Where? In heavenly places. In what? In Christ. In Christ Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. When you, the reason why, why is blessing so important? Blessing produce, blessing constitutes difficulty to the adversary. It, blessing does what? It constitutes what? Difficulty to the adversary. Why? Because when Blessing is too strong. Blessing is strong. Blessing is resilient. Blessing is slippery. Blessing is skillful. Blessing finds a way. That's why the best thing you should look for is to be blessed in life. You understand? Don't, it's, not about, don't, it's not about skill. It's not about strength. It's not about all of those things. Know-how. It's not about those things. If you just... Why, why, if you go and look for all those things, then another person leaves those things and go and look for blessing. At the, at the end, in front, you see, when you check two of them, one of them will be, they won't be in the same world. They will be like people living from different dimensions. Are you understand what I'm saying? That, that blessing, blessing is, is resilient. Blessing is tough. Blessing, when you see a blessed person, um, the, the force with which the blessed soul lives is like a resilient force. It's a kind of force that overcomes everything. It overcomes anything. It surmounts anything. Are you get what I'm saying? It's, that's why it makes blessing very, 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 very powerful, like Israel in the wilderness. Right? Israel, they were a difficult nation. They were a, a problematic nation. 
you know, they, they came into a terrain surrounded with nations who have those nations, they have, you know, when you come to that plane, the way the plains, those plains of Moab, those nations around there, the way they finally ended up was according to generations of warfare, right? They've swallowed up every other, all, those who can be swallowed up have been swallowed up. Those who can be crushed have been crushed. Those who can be killed have been killed. Those who are left in that terrain are, are, are all the champions. They are champions of war and existence as far as things are concerned. They, they settled into an equilibrium, right? <laughs> Praise Jesus. They did what? And, and that was according to graces that, were give, that was given to them. You know, it was all, even in God's mind when he was pl plotting their lands and all of those things. And he made sure that they are, they are powerful. Glory to God. He gave them power to keep those lands and to hold those lands. But when Israel came, Israel was a difficult nation, right? They hired Balaam to come and curse Israel, who was a, anything about cursing people. He knows all those things, you understand? Like he... It doesn't just cause, it cause from a height, right, from a dimension. When, if, if such a, a prophet curses, right, the curse, the way he curses is not just maybe he will, maybe he will release demons to follow you. That's not how he curses. He, will, he curses by tampering with, uh, with, with property, with wisdom. Uh, you understand what I mean? His cursing is not just what should, you know, speaking and I declare cause of I know it's not that. It's to, Balaam is a, was a priest. So he, he curses by, by, um, he will, it's not just, he won't, he won't just pronounce the curse. He will, he will tell you what, what should they do to become cursed. Do you get what I'm saying? Right, it's by, it's by, it's by teaching. That's what the Bible says, right? Balaam, who taught the children of what Israel to do what? To, uh, who taught Balak, right? To cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to do what? So it means at the end of the day, he finally found his way how to do it. So he says, but I have, I have, I have a few things against thee, Revelation 2, 2 verse 4. I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So his own, the way he operates was via doctrine. Praise God. You see, doctrine means interference with nature. To, when you say to doctor a thing means to, right, it's by virtue of understanding, to be able to shift the, the nature, to bring a different nature property. When you say something has been doctored, ah, you've doctored that thing. Or you have, when you've doctored it, it means that you have, you have changed its original formation, right? You've changed the equation. It now manifests differently. He now operates differently. So he was able to, to teach Balak to how to cast stumbling block before the children of Israel and then to do what? Eat things sacrificed to idols. You know that if these nations can do these things, this is the access into them. And to do what? To commit fornication. He taught the nation how to do this. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. So, so I was saying that, so blessing, um, what makes blessing um, important is because of the, that resilient nature. And I said that the, the fulfillment of blessing is multiplication. Right, you must bless them right from Genesis. Bless, and then what? After you bless them, multiply, and bless them, saying, be fruitful. And then what? Multiply. It must be fruitful, and then multiply. Glory to Jesus until it fulfills the circle of multiplication. Blessing has not finished. Right? Blessing will yield first fruitfulness. That is the first aspect of blessing, is to make fruitful. Right? The two sides of blessing. First, to make fruitful. Then what's the second part? Then you have to bring multiplication. Do you see that? Another word for multiply is make many. Make many. is clear to you that the purpose of Christ is to make you fruitful. Another word for fruitful. Fruitfulness doesn't mean... Fruitfulness doesn't mean bringing fruit. Right? Do you see that? It doesn't mean, fruitfulness doesn't mean bringing fruit. No. Fruitfulness means gaining capacity to bear fruit. It's a state. Fruitfulness is like, it's not just bringing fruit, right? You must, you must open your mind. You must be able to see Christ beyond just that. You have to see Christ as a, it's like a, a what? It's a, an ability, right, to, is to, to change the soul into a kind of a thing that has that, it has that function. Fruit bearing is now a function. Then, aha, it's just that, that what they call the peaceable fruit of righteousness, called charity, right? That peaceable fruit of righteousness is just the proof that fruitfulness has occurred. Do you see that? Because So that, that fruit is not really the end of fruit. It's not really the fruit that, and this is what we've been trying to get man to bear since. No, that's not it. That, in fact, when it comes to fruit bearing, that's just the beginning. That's just the first fruit. It's just the, the, the fruit of peace. That peace means peace with God. Aha, you're now fruitful. Fruitfulness is, the, is what you call peace with God. That you're fruitful after the spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Fruitfulness. Say fruitfulness. fruitfulness. That is once, that's what they check. So it's not really just that fruit that you are born that they will say, okay, wow, charity, everything has ended. No is that they'll say, oh, charity? They born, that, cha- that soul bears the fruit of charity. They say, yes, charity is there. Awesome. That soul is now fruitful. Do you get, that is the blessing of Christ. That's what they want to do. So one, see, the, 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 the soul is fruitful. It doesn't mean they will throw your fruit away. They will take the fruit, they will celebrate it, they will bring it in, they will receive it, they rejoice over it. But that fruit of charity is not really the fruit of God. It's not really, that's not really the fruit that God wants to bring out of the soul. It's just a proof to God that you are now fruitful. Or 
It's a proof that you are ready to multiply, that they can multiply you. You must be fruitful, and then they will multiply you. Or is a fruitfulness, is a sign that you can now be made many. Do you understand that? that multi, the power of multiplication doesn't come upon anything that is not fruitful. It will, that power will not flow. They can't. They can't bring such operation into the soul. Do you understand what I mean? Praise Jesus. Do, do you understand me? Um, I want you to begin to see your journey in Christ that way. You have to. You must see your journey in Christ that way as, as when you are learning Christ. It's your learning a kind of, um, a kind of, it's the, it's the giving of an ability to your soul to teach you fruitfulness. And then it's to make you qualified for the ministry of multiplication. Praise Jesus. Now, you see those two ministries in the spirit, to make something fruitful and to multiply it, there are two different kind of ministries. One is harder than the other. Uh, do you get me? <laughs> One is what? One is harder than what? The other. Why? Because of it's a different power. When, when you're saying multiply, be fruitful, and multiply. Multiply. So if you're, if you're able to define fruitfulness then we must also define multiplication after the same kind. So when you come into multiplication, what, the, what multiplication, the power of multiplication, is not maybe you are one, now let's make you, or, or if you are two, let's make you four. Or you are four, let's make you 16 or something, or eight, or multiply times. That's not... Oh, oh, there are now many because, no, that's not the, the, the way you see it. You have to see the way you saw fruitfulness as an ability. You must see multiplication as an ability. Right? It's so when you say, ah, this Christ is a soul that is, that, that is fruitful, that can bear fruit. Right? That is a Christ. Then you say, now, who is a living man or an everlasting soul? Is a soul that multiplies properties. Is a soul that operates within, with the power of multiplication. The power of multiplication is the power of abundance. So, if, if you, a soul that doesn't have the power of abundance, or that doesn't have the power or the ability of multiplication inside that soul, it will be difficult to catch the soul in abundance. I don't know if you're understanding my own, my English is a bit different today, but <laughs> this is just where I'm, the spirit is coming, so I have to preach in this manner of, of glory to God. Hallelujah. What am I explaining? I'm saying that so if the soul, what makes the soul is that think about fruitfulness as a law inside. Then think of multiplication as a law on the inside. It's like an, it's like an ability that, that the soul has 
on the inside to, to bear fruit, right, then there's also the ability. When, when it's a fruitful soul, they will now, see, they want to raise you from just being fruitful. They want to give the soul the capacity of multiplication. The capacity of multiplication is, the, is their ability to always be in abundance. Do you get that? You are to always be what? In abundance. You see, abundance is the only language Satan fears. When they say your adversary, the devil, that being who they refer to, anything beyond the, the state of abundance, once, are you seeing what I'm saying? Is not, that's why it says, if these things be in you and abound, it's not just enough for them to be in you. That, that the things which are in you, they must be residing in you in an abundant fashion, in an abundant way on the inside. In other words, you must have come into the, the dimension of many, 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 many. So you don't, you don't just be, be righteous. Have many, 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 many righteousnesses. Righteousness should be many, many in your soul. Many, many, many. That is the, that is what, that is the power. That is how God drowns Satan. When Satan is trying to, in terms of the, the, he's trying to, you know, he, he, he taught his pattern. He, that's what actually he was raised for, those beings of the most holy place, right? All of them are pattern beings. It's not that they are not sinning. When, when Michael is looking at God, that there's a something about Michael that in since he started existing till today, he has never taken his eyes off God for a second, for a, for a micro, microsecond. Inside his nature, he doesn't have the ability, he doesn't have the, any kind of him, of thing inside his nature to just, you know how you blink a little bit and just come back? Attention just goes and comes. No, you know, they are not like that. That is their, their kind of strength. Are you, get, are you understanding me? That's what he said. Bless you, the Lord, all you his angels of his. Who, what? You who excel in strength, hearkening unto what? The voice of his word. Are you seeing that kind of strength? Is it, is it strange strength? You don't find that among all creatures. In heaven, there are many kinds of angels. Not all of them are like that. When... When they see Michael, Michael is strange to them. Those third heavenly beings, the seraphims, the living, sorry, the cherubims, the living creatures, all the, the third heavenly beings, they are different. It's a kind of a strength they have. No other creature is like that. Seraphims are different. In fact, they cover their face. When the seraphims, right, appear in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, they are different. That, that, that covering of face is mean that that job, man, you guys, is your job. Those cherubims full of eyes within and full of means that when they are means that in, in their within they see. In their without they see. 
Do you know they have their beings of within operation, they have without operation. But there is no operation of their nature that's without beholding. Right, that's without seeing. When they are operating from their within, they are operating by, they are still beholding. Do you understand what I'm saying? When they are operating without, they are still beholding. That kind of thing is strength. Powerful. It's powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. So that's why you don't take lightly Lucifer, son of the morning, because he came out of that kind. They brought him from that kind of order. Until the day, there was one day he turned his eyes. He just turned his eyes. He, he found the ability to take his gaze off, to turn his gaze off. And in, in then, then God said, no, 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 no. You have, have defied your sanctuaries. You filled your midst with violence. Because of your brightness, you've corrupted your wisdom. The wisdom means the workings in you. The, 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 the spirit on your inside has been corrupted. You have changed your strength. You have turned your strength away from from the design which God has done. Do you understand me? But um, you, can't, you can't take things which he beheld. That's why when he fell, he fell with, with he, he has history, he has memory, right? He has some type of memory in terms of memory concerning patterns. That's what makes, makes, makes him formidable as an adversary. Because even though he's falling, right, he can still do things according to the memory of things which he beheld in God. That's why what we saw on Saturday should not be too surprising to you, that he can bring an, an order which is almost pretty much exactly like what God is doing. It's because of, he has so much beholding capacity that he also knows how to do it. Do you, do you get what I mean? He knows how. He knows how to do. It's clear. You, you cannot, you can't, you can't take Adam and rewrite him. Do you understand what I mean? Somebody who came from the breath of God. I mean, the life that was inside of Adam came out of God, breathed into him. The breath of life became a living soul. You can't take that kind of being and introduce something into him that will begin to unwind him constantly without being a terrible spirit. It's according to... So that breath which God breathed, Lucifer has seen that breath before. He used to live in the environment of that breath. He has been... And, when he, and you can't... Such a spirit can't live in the breath without beholding the breath. He has... He sees the breath. He knows about the movement of the breath. He knows how the breath moves. He knows how, when, and when he saw Adam and Eve, he saw the breath in them. He could see the, the configuration of the breath, how the breath operates, how it was producing living attributes from them. Do you agree with me? And so, but he has, and he has his wisdom concerning that thing. He has a wisdom concerning it. Praise God. Now, God has his own, God has his way of things. 
God can create prototype of, ev of everything in him in a dimension. He would do it. He would just do it nice. You will see the pattern. You see everything in that dimension. He would just create it from himself. He would just bring it, put it there. Then he will live there, go to another realm higher than, him, than that place, produce the same kind of thing outside of himself and put it in that other realm with another kind of, with a higher kind of, you know what I mean? Operation, um, I don't know, with a higher allocation of those things. Then he will go to another world again and then also produce the same kind of thing. Now say God is, God is not, um, God is not, you know, there's a way we think God is, but he's not like that. You know, when you come from milk of the world, you perceive God a certain way, you know, just miracle getting your deeds and all that. This is very low. God is not like that, of course. Obviously, you know that. And then when you move into learning Christ, you still perceive God a certain way. That perception that you gain from Christ about God is not the full perception. When you come into everlasting life and begin to learn God, you feel, wow, this is God. You are learning God. You are. God is more than that. Do you understand what I mean? There's, there's something about God. One thing about God is that, you know, when you're, you're coming into, I, I spoke about the, praise Jesus. Are you following me? Thank you, Father. I spoke about the, that wisdom of utterance, the oracles, you know, all of that. When you speak about such things, it sounds as if God is selfish and is stingy. Why does he hide his things? Why would he put administration, put utterance, all of those things, difficult, hard to be uttered? Why, why those things? It sounds like you can think that God is doing that because he's just stingy somewhere. He doesn't want people to see it, so he's hiding it. No, no, no. That's not why God... That's not how God is. If God was like that, he wouldn't make beings who will be beholding him day or night. They rest not. They are constantly full of eyes within and without. He knew one of them can fall one day, which, and that happened, but he didn't stop him from doing that. He didn't stop God from opening himself up. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? It didn't stop God from coming to earth, which can easily, is the most easily corruptible place, and creating a paradise, filling it with his presence, and then raising man, putting his own breath into man, knowing that an adversary can come here and spoil it. He, he did it. He did that. He didn't stop God from dressing the heavens with his life. From, from, when you study this, his life, you see, he didn't stop God from coming to Sinai and for teaching them detail, detail of everything it takes to cause his, his presence, his glory, the Shekinah, to come and to be resting with man. Do you understand what I mean? So God is not, is not stingy like that. It's not, you understand what I mean? God is not stingy. It's just, you have to understand that God the reason why he's not stingy in that kind of way is because of his
the quality which he has that that accounts for to a great deal for his eternally his eternal separation that that accounts for his, his eternal class do you get what I'm saying is a it is something you you learn when you now begin to study, you study about his life, study about his life, you now get to a point where you begin to learn about the, you've, maybe you've studied the patterns. you finish studying the pattern. Everything about pattern, you've learned pattern. You know, that's when you finish the school of everlasting life, that school of, in terms of, you get to a point where there's not much left in the realm of precepts anymore. Right? You know you can finish precepts. Do you know that? That's what we are, you are going to. Man is designed for, to, to finish God's precepts. Yeah, man is designed to finish God's precepts. Then, let's say when you finish the world of precepts, you now know that that's what you are just beginning to, to step into the, the touch, to touch the true potency of God. What makes God really God is not, are not precepts. You can have the precepts and you can have the structure and all of that. Do you understand what I mean? But there's something, what makes God really God is, is, what is a type of it. That's what he calls reward. Right? Say, my works, his reward is with him. That with him. What he calls, what is with him. It's in the things that made God God. It's in that category of what is with him. Are you understand what I'm saying? They are when you begin to then come into that sense, you now discover that in the way the, the, his configuration of riches is, is past catching up to. It's past, do you get what I'm saying? You can't get close to him. You can understand everything about mercy, all the things about principle of mercy, right? But, and then you will be full, filled with merciful traits and merciful truth. They can fill you with mercy up and down, deck you mercy everywhere. But when they now bring you close to God and check how he has mercy to try to measure, are you understand what I'm trying to say? That's, that's the kind of thing that David was smelling. Plenty of sin, mercy. Do you get what I'm saying? He's not telling that his mercy is everlasting. No, it's beyond God, God's mercy. When they, are taught, when they are confined, his mercy is beyond his everlasting. Everlastingness of mercy is in according to the, a, a, a kind, a pattern that can be laid out in a curriculum. Right? Then you now say, okay, me too. I have come into having mercy in an everlasting sense. But that's not the... His plenteousness is different. God's plenteousness is talking about the, the, are you, you know what I'm saying? The, you can, if they put a tiny fingernail of the, of his measure of mercy. Do you get what I'm saying? That there is no, no creature has the 
kind of capacity to carry it. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why you can never, don't think of Satan as the opposite of God. Satan is here. No, 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 you don't. <laughs> Glory to God. That's another thing altogether. Those are the kind of things that, what Jesus sees. You know Jesus? Those are the kind of things that Jesus sees in, in God. You can't, that, that one, you can't meet up with it. And, it. and you are not designed to meet up with it. You are, you are designed to enter into it and flow into it. Flow in it. Do you get what I'm saying? You are, you are designed to do what? You are designed to enter into it. And then, and to do what? Flow in it. Do you get what I'm, are you getting a sense of what I'm trying to say? You can't have, you can understand God's principle of mercy, for example. But when you bought the, the measure of his mercy, Right. The measure, for example, you can you have mercy on the entire world? Let's say, an example. That's an example of only God can do that. There's no way that they can raise you. Let's say they raise Jimmy or something to a point where you have enough mercy for all of humanity. That's a God kind of qualification because. Out of all those humanity, just take one out of them. Just one out of those plenty billions of people. Only one of them is an, is an eternal container. Just one of them. Are you, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Praise God. So, so when it comes to that world of eternity, there's only the world of eternity. Eternity, there, there's one eternity. It's God. That's why when you enter into eternal life, you've entered into God. Do you get what I'm saying? Is it, the eternal means only. There's that only. There's nothing outside that only. In fact, when you get there, you notice God, there's no need for any expression outside this only because... Anything outside him is insignificant. Mean is meaneth nothing. In the eternal realm, do you get what I'm saying? It is the only reason, the reason why they raise you individually, raise your stature and all of that, is to, is to give you entrance. That you must you must now move into a zone where in him, in him you live and move and have your being. That is that that final eternal state inside of God. I, I don't know if I'm making any kind of sense to you. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And there's no point, there's no, there's no point for anything outside that this is eternal life, that you might know him. What? what? The only true God and then Jesus. And of course, in the learning, you must learn who he has sent first before you will know him. But in the descending order, you'll say you know him, the only true God, before you know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So the reason why they sent Jesus Christ to you is to 
capacitate you and to help you for all the alignment that it will take to know him, the only true God. And when you know him, that the, the only true God, then it's so you can be in him. It's for, it's for being in him. Right? Everything, every, 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 every eternal life is in God. I don't know if I can make that kind of statement to you. That what did I say? That every word, eternal life is in God. If you say you have come into eternal life, it means you've entered into an only thing. That outside, they don't need you. In that place, you live, move, and you have your being. When you have your being in him, it means that there is no, there is no, actually, there's actually no need, no point, no space for anything outside of him. <laughs> Are you understanding me? For them to even become Trinity, they must come out of that place. Do you know that Trinity is an everlasting configuration? If you are able to trace the Holy Ghost eternity, when you trace the eternity in the Holy Ghost, you will not, you, in, you stop seeing him as a, a third person. When you look around, you're not going to the only thing that's here is God. That everything is an only dimension, is an only world. Are, are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? In that place, you lose consciousness of persons there. When they say God is no respecter of persons, he's talking about his own kind of mind, where it's coming from. Right? It's from a, a particular realm where they don't respect persons. He's all in all. He's everything. You, you, you get what I'm trying to say? And when you get there, you might feel like, ah, isn't that boring? Why is it just only everything, only him? Because you've not reached, get, gotten to that point. Do you get what I'm saying? That, and that when you get to that place, you now discover that, ah, oh, really, there's actually no need for anything. For anything that's done here in this place. You, when you get there, you know that you realize the realm where your spirit came from. Where your spirit man came from. That beautiful. It's, it's the paradise of paradises. It's the Eden of Edens. Do you understand what I mean? It's where the, all the virtue of, of Eden and the garden, all garden poten, potency, potential, all, all garden things, it finds their spring, the spring from the eternal fountain, which God is. That world is the, is the world of all satisfaction. There is no need there. There is no, there is no space to need anything because of the, the amount of fullness of all things. Do you understand what I mean? It is, 
the things there are beyond your concept of feeling right now. They are beyond your, they are beyond your, your present concept of, you know, we think in terms of need. We actually think in terms of neediness. We have a poverty orientation, right? Because everything outside of God is poor. You can never know riches until you arrive at God. You understand what I mean? Even what they, what they call riches of Christ is a type of riches. Is a prophetic riches that speaks concerning it. When you tell those riches, <laughs> we came from a realm of riches, right? Where, do you understand what I'm, I'm telling you about? God has, so God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, wherewith he had love. You see, those kind of language about God is, those English are not enough to actually tell you what they are speaking concerning. Where, when you, when you taste a mercy, where that mercy is traveling from, right, is coming from God, inside of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? That place, that, that realm inside of God. God in that place is so vast, it's so big, it can take everybody. Everybody. It can take everybody. 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 Inside the world of God, it has everything. You know, it's not easy to satisfy just one soul. You know what I mean? You need to marry to understand what I'm talking about. Right? If you're, if you're a married man and then they wouldn't give you only one soul who just can't satisfy just this one person. If you really take up that responsibility, a lot of men don't even take it up. They just they act as if it's not there. But if you try to take up that responsibility, you have to be begging God every single day. Right? Because you realize that one soul is vast, big. Per second, the soul a soul can per second the soul can can show can produce capacity. If it wants to, just bring the best thing to a soul right now. If the soul wants to, it will just shift, enlarge a bit more and say, There's, can you, do you have another one? Can you throw something else? The girl said, to satisfy a soul. It's just that because our souls are conditioned because we know that there's not too much here. So you must manage just, if you get one nice thing, just keep it and, and hold it because there's not too much here to satisfy the soul. But in terms of the capacity of satisfaction of a soul, it's vast. You know, so are you getting what I'm trying to say? Now, now I want to tell you how, how rich is God that, that when he, he came and now told all men, I want to satisfy all of you. All of you. All of your souls. And I have more than enough things. It's just that can, we, can you journey, can we move out obstacles from the way? Right? It's not, God is not, it's not tired of satisfying souls. He's never tired. It's, it's, it's souls that get tired. They drink and drink and drink and then they get weary and get tired and they go back to other things. God is never tired of satisfying souls. God is not, is not, is not poor. God is too rich. He can keep, keep giving and keep giving and keep loading and keep loading and loading your soul. Loading your soul, loading it. God, God wants it, and it will be loading your soul with, with spiritual thing, with blessing, blessing, bless you, and it will bless you and bless you till you pass out from one realm into another realm. You must pass out. God, God doesn't bless. God, God must bless you beyond your, your current habitation. 
it will, if, if your, your current place can still take the blessing, you have not, you are still, you haven't, he hasn't finished blessing you. God must bless you until you must pass beyond that plane. You appear in another place with a greater capacity and say, okay, let's start again. Let's continue. Let's continue blessing. Let's continue blessing. Let's continue blessing. You understand what I'm saying? God, God wants to bless you until you arrive at him. And then when you are in him, he will drown you in blessing. And do you understand what I'm trying to say? God, we need to understand what we are, what we are dealing with. You know, sometimes they want to make you feel like God is, is weak, you know. Like, like you, are, you are going to help God when you are going to church. Like, ah. Just, you take your affection and you share it. Can I, God, let me just, I will give you, ah, you ask for too much. You feel like you are the one giving to God. You just take tiny affection. Ah, oh, God, let me just, just let it not be as if I didn't, I didn't give you any something. Take, what am I calling it? Your affection, your attention. Ah, oh, just sit down and say, God, God, God. Ah, oh, I know you are calling for more. Okay, I will add two times today. I will give you affection. And when you are giving the Lord your affection and your heart, you feel you are giving God something. See, foolishness of men. Ah, God, I, I spent time with you today. You'll be happy. You know how much time I spent in the spirit? Be happy. I spent some time with you. Today I paid attention in meeting, you see. I, I took in 90% of that message. You feel like, God, you're sowing. You feel you are giving, we feel like we are giving God something when you give him your time and you are, you are, you are, you are, you don't know that the only reason why he asks you for it is that you must sow. That if you sow sparingly, that you will what? You will reap sparingly. So, it's, so you can reap abundantly. That's why God is withdraw, asking for your, 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 your attention. He's asking for your heart. He's asking for your affection. Can you sow it? Can you sow it? This 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 says that, But this I say, that he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully. That word, sow it bountifully. You shall do what? Reap what? Bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. For God loveth a Cheerful giver. What should you give? What should you give? What should you give? What should you give? The prince, one of the principles of giving, we learnt it from one of the most generous men. I mean, who, who was the most generous man in the Bible? Huh? I know, of course, Jesus. Outside Jesus, I want to ask you. Outside Jesus, who was the most, next most generous man in the Bible? Sorry? 
Say it again. David. David. It has to be David. It has to be David. He's so generous. He broke into the secret. Men, you know, people were giving all kinds of things. They give sacrifice. He said, no, 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 no. There's something. God needs more than this. You know, that, that was what possessed him. David's problem in life was what to give to God. Do, do you, have you seen, have you, can you conceptualize that kind of problem? May God bless you with that kind of yeah. problem. That, that would just become your only, you just wake up one day, just, I have no other problem in this life. I have nothing. It's can I give God something that's worthy of him? with my life, and I don't care. I can spend my whole life doing it, that at the end of my life, I, I, let it be that I gave something. I gave something to God. When he said, I found him, a man after, what was it to be after God's heart? God's heart is not easy to see. God must have been in where he normally stays, and he will feel somebody is coming here. Why is, why is someone, Looking for my heart. Nobody cares about my heart. I've been talking about my heart, my ways, my deeds, and all of that. I send prophets, I know nobody's interested about my heart, about my things. Who is this person? Somebody, somebody's pushing. Somebody's in, you know, when you, how you touch God is inquiry. Do you know that? Yeah, it's, it's through, it's through the, it's the inquiry of your heart. When through, the, when your heart begins to make quality inquiry, it, heaven begins to detect it. Something begins to arrive. They begin to know in heaven, someone is, it's like, someone is trying to invade this territory. Right? Heaven is sensitive to the hearts of men. There's the heart of what is it? What is everybody doing? Okay, what's the barest minimum? That's one kind of heart. That is Saul's kind of heart, right? Those two kings back to back, a, a giant contrast. God went to do it for the purpose of the scripture to show you two kinds of kings. But Saul was the opposite. Saul didn't care about the heart of God. Saul wanted to. He liked the barest. Is the barest minimum. What's the barest minimum? That which, when you have given it, you not only feel like you've, like you've not given anything. In the process of giving it, you took something. It's a, it's a kind of, it's a complex method. It's an advanced method. Eh? It's a, is the method whereby you receive by giving. But at the end of the day, you never really give, you just received. It's a complex operation. It's a soulish operation. When he went there and he killed, where's the biggest calf? Where's the biggest thing? God said, don't take anything from that place. Kill everything. But do you know that you know one of the glory of that time is sacrificing. There's a glory, and not, it's not just an ordinary, it's a kingly glory. You know, kings, that's one of the, the kings actually in the temple, they have their own portion in the outer court. As 
the, the, the peasants, the normal people bring their own offering. They have a, a door they pass <laughs> to bring their own things. That's just the, the non-entities and those guys, glory to God. Amen. They have their own procession. There's a department of the court, which is the court of kings. When the king is bringing his own thing, he doesn't carry it himself. Guys, back. People bring what the, the things he's coming to offer. It, only him, his own car, his own chariot can carry everything. Chariots might go before him. So you can imagine the picture of a king's offering at that time. It's not a small thing, it's a procession. Maybe everybody will come out and be watching. Hey, the king is going to offer. Who are we? Did you get what I'm trying to say? It's part of the a kingly glory, like Solomon did too. Before he began to build the temple, he had to offer. You understand what I mean? But God did not want that offering. God said, I don't want it. Am I not the one who you want to bring something to? I said, I don't want this one. But Saul's program, he didn't budget for God not wanting anything. He has, before he went to that war, he had already planned of that sacrifice that he would do at the end. When he brings the fattest of the fattest, the best of the best in triumph, Israel will be praising him. Saul, Saul, of all the kings of all the nations, no man has ever sacrificed such things like Saul. That's what he had in his mind. You get what I'm saying? When he came. So it's a way of taking glory in the name of giving sacrifice to God. And God said, no, that I don't, I, I, I don't delight in sacrificing, but offering. Right? Do you understand what I mean? He said that obedience is what is better than. What is the meaning of obedience? Obedience just means do what my heart says. You know, to obey is not trivial. Because to, to obey, revelation precedes obedience. All right? You must, for you to really obey, you must have a desire after the heart. And that's what David kept looking for. David's goal in life was obedience. That, you know what I mean? Even when he wanted to sacrifice, when to give him that, he said, no, I won't, I won't dash, don't dash me anything. Uh, if you dash me this thing, it will, it will break my principle. That I must not give God anything that costs me nothing. That, that's just a principle by which I live my life. I know that the only point of giving to God is costing me. That if it doesn't cost, means I didn't give. So it must cost me to give to God. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? When you come to the, 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 the arena, the place, the banquet, the table of blessing, right? When it comes to the area of God's blessing, Anyway, say, ah, God is blessing there. Let's go. Careful. Don't just rush there. Think about it. Think about God's principle of how God blesses. That God blessing first is not just giving you stuff. Why? Because before you met God, you met somebody who gave you things. You've met, you've been rapporting with your adversary. You've been eating at his table. He has been blessing you with his own stuff. You understand? 
So God does not come and bless on top of what Satan has blessed. That blessing is not useful. That you have to understand that to receive God's blessing, you must be willing to give away. Do you get what I'm saying? That you must be willing to do what? That you must be willing in your heart to give. You must, and when you say give, ah, giving. Giving means what you have held as yours. What you have held, what you have possessed, that which is most precious to you. What is most precious to a man? What is life? Himself. Satan in his own language said a man, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. A man will do what? Give anything to do what? It means that anything, that life is the most important thing, that anything he will give anything is just to save his life. Then that will tell you that that life which he has is the, is the secret of what the adversary, the gift of the adversary to every man is your, is your life. Don't go too far from it. Ah, you mean Satan has given me things? Yes, he gave you things. What did he give me? Is it money? No. Is it house? No. Is it no? What did Satan give me? Life. He said, no, 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 but I am crucified with Christ in life. No, no, no. Amen. You are not yet crucified with Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are not yet what? In the life which an earlier I live by the no. You don't live by the Are you seeing that? Yes, sir. So, the, 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 to, to help a soul, to bless a soul, you must be willing to first do the tedious work of fruitfulness, to make the soul fruitful spiritually. To make the soul fruitful spiritually. To fruitful. When you say fruitful, peaceable fruit of righteousness is the first gift. You say, ah, finally, you are finally giving something. But you've been giving offering, giving all kinds of things. If you've not borne charity, you've not given anything. The gift of a tree is its fruit. Right? And you should bear fruit. That's why Jesus calls the fig tree. Is a against not bearing fruit. How you know a stingy soul, they don't bear fruit. How you know a soul that lost their life, they don't do what? Because what does it mean to bear fruit? Come into a state where another can eat from the day where another can, can feed from thee, where another can be nourished from thee, to what they need to do inside a human being to move a person to a state where you can bring something or someone who lacks 
close to them and they can eat and drink from them. Because you know, a fruit is a complete package. When you are eating a fruit, you are eating and drinking. There is no fruit that does not involve eating and drinking. Have you ever seen a fruit that you can't drink from? It's eating and every fruit is a, is a, is a design of, the, of a fruit. Fruit feasting is the feast of eating and drinking. Inside the fruit has both meat and drink. Has both water and meat. Balanced diet. So when you say fruit, do you, do you know that's not what I mean? Uh-huh. So you might say, well, I'm fruitful now. People benefit from it. No, I'm talking about what you, people get, what can be gotten from you, does it constitute the eating and drinking that has all the nutrients that your kind of nature, your nature in this, or that the spiritual nature is meant to bear? Do you get what I'm saying? It's not just that, any, it's not giving anything. It's not just giving what? Anything. It's not giving anything. You say, oh, it's like a plantain tree. You can take the leaf. You can use to make more and more. Or you can, no, no, that's not a, You can do more and more. Do everything. But at the end of the day, if, if it hasn't produced plantain, it's not, it hasn't fulfilled its purpose. So there are different kind of things a person can give. You can give all kind of things. And, oh. You know, we like that type. You just say, my own kind of soul. I have grace for this kind. But don't come near me looking for the other thing. You know? <laughs> because you will be royally disappointed. When you come around me, come around me I, with, for kindness, but patience. <laughs> we know the sisters who dish out patience and long suffering and those kind of things. They are graced for it. You know what I mean? You know you can come to a soul. When you say that you will chew and chew and chew, you are waiting for water. But when you check at the end of it, there's no one tiny drop. Cannot. That leads to constipation, right? You say, no, I'm, I'm just blessed in this order. Yeah. It's just, just the order. But God, blessing is complete. So I will bless your bread and your water. Yeah. Not only bread, I will bless bread. I also bless, bless water. Yeah. The, the blessing make it rich and added no sorrow. Yeah. It's a blessing is completeness. So before they even think of multiplication, they are checking, they will look, look for fruit must form. Fruit means all some product. 
We're talking about spirituality that is whole. It is. That's a, if it's not whole, it's not a fruit. You understand? The kind of fruit is it causes the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Fruit, say fruit that makes peace. What's the meaning of fruit? It means fruit that satisfies. It's satisfaction, it's peace. It's that when they take taste the fruit from you. You know some of the fruit that we are, you know you're supposed to be like a tree that it's not only God who wants to eat from you. It's first of all, even your brethren should be sampling your fruit, first of all. Right? So what's can be bearing fruit that heaven can never dare come around you? Even your brethren who are tasting your fruit, they are praying for them that they should be okay. Because <laughs> And sometimes they can watch and watch. If, the, if it's too bad, ah, they just, have you had a quarantine before? Just, you know, can we leave this one around this place so that it doesn't pollute the rest? Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Say, so be fruitful, multiply. So, uh, so that, 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 that calling to fruitfulness, every soul, you must bear it, okay? You must bear that fruit. You must bear, you must bear fruit. Amen. See, God is waiting for you to bear fruit. The fruit of Christ. You must bear that fruit. Don't stop. Don't be righteous in one way or something. You have to be willing to journey with the wholeness of precept that will cause measures to, to, to appear. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Um, so, Shatevelosa, a prophet Alia, Makatosa, Prahata, a Felimahata, a Proshopati Hata, a Felimahata, Fretemihota Hata, a Pretetania Hata, a Felimakatosimahata, Fremahata, 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 Kalimahata, Premahata, a Katimahata, Fretimahata, Hata, Evretemihata, Fretetanihata, Preota Hata, Fremihata, Premihata, Preketeni Anahata, Fecosto Pretihata, Elemocosto Pretenita, Felioste Prata, Elita, Menita, Keposto Vretelita, for you ought to abide, you ought to abide in a place of abode is where you begin to be conditioned and watered for to bear fruit, for to bear fruit, for you cannot bear fruit if you do not abide. It is in the place of 
of output. I will begin to nurture and to raise you and condition the atmosphere around you for to bring forth fruit. For Libre Ostegalia, Leprosotoni, it is, it is a patient and pain-stricken process for to culture and to raise a soul that would bear my life. But you ought to abide there. You ought to abide there. For leprote, it is an, a condition. It is a condition. It is an environment that I, even I, will make around you. For I ought to, I want to you to bear fruit. And that is why I bring my condition. I bring my waters. And I've even brought waters for to raise you that you may bear my fruit that you may bear my fruit for you ought to abide you ought to abide in your gazing you ought to abide in the longing of your heart you ought to abide in the positioning and the alignment of your heart for that is how you can bear fruit that is how you can bear fruit for I would break through the hardness the hardness of your heart I would break through the hardness of your heart for to bear fruit for to bring forth fruit for wholesome fruit it is patience. It is pain stricken. And it is a journey for to bear fruit. It is the fruit of the heart. It is the fruit of the heart. It is the fruit of life. The fruit of life. The fruit of life. The fruit of life. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Okay, please back to Hebrews 5. Verse, so verse, verse 11, of whom we have what? We have many things to say and hard to be altered. So you see that many things to say. Do you see that? And then they are what? Hard to be altered. Seeing that you are what? You are dull of hearing. Hard to be altered. Altered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of what? Of the oracles of God. So you need that one teach you what is the first principles. You still need, have need to be taught the first principles of the word oracles and have become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of word, of full age, even those who by reason of use have their word senses exercised to discern both good and what and evil. Praise Jesus. These senses here, like I said, the senses that they are speaking of here, um, they are senses, spiritual, what we call spiritual sense, or spiritual senses. These are senses of the soul, right? And the senses of the soul are according to, they are actually, the way God designs soul senses is to, is to correspond with aspects or dimensions of his oracles. Do you see that? The senses are meant to cooperate with spirit of utterance. Do you see that? It's, it's for 
the spirit of, of utterance at a certain level is meant to interact with the senses, the inward, the senses of the inward man at a certain level to help the senses to then use those senses. The purpose of senses are actually for the enrichment of the soul. Do you see that? It's for what? The, the reason for senses are for the enriching of the soul. It's to help the soul, right? It says that strong meat belong to them that are of full age, who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern. So reason of use, they had their senses exercised. So because they have gone through the exercise of their senses, strong meat belonged to them. Do you see that? What did I say? Strong, strong meat belonged, belonged to them. Praise Jesus. Strong meat. So it means that every exercise is for a higher meat. But the exercise is, is a meat exercise. You have to go through an exercise with a particular meat to exercise your senses, to capacitate you for a higher meat in the, in the spirit. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So, um, for the adversary, our adversary, the devil, he knows everything about senses, everything about exercise, all of those things. He knows all, because like I explained to us, there's a world where he came from. That in that world where he came from, their greatest strength is their, are their senses. Right? The, the, the strength of cherubims are their senses. Right? They, the eye of a cherub. Praise God. When you say eyes, to see, right? They have a certain kind of eye. It's the quality that they have. Then, and that quality they have is their hearing, what you call hearkening. They are, so cherubs are powerful, not with eyes, but only with eyes, but also with ears. They have not just powerful eyes for beholding. They also have powerful ears for the word, for hearkening. For hearkening, in, unto the voice of what? That what is that word? It's meats. Different meat at, at its high level. Strength of meat, right? So they have the kind of hearkening for the strong meat of the word. Glory to God. So you see why an adversary who knows that kind of thing will then begin to tamper and walk with hearing to introduce dullness, right? So it's, it's dullness against strength to make many things hard to be altered. To make many things what? Hard. To make many things hard to be altered. Seeing you are what? Dull. Why do I say? Because I explain something to you that the utterance, spirit of utterance is meant to cooperate with the word the senses, which are part of the organs of hearing. This hearing are part of what you call that, that summary of design of senses. There are many. There is seeing, there, there is hearing, there are all kinds of abilities within the soul. What makes a spiritual person are 
sound senses. All the, the, the organs of sensing things are, are developed, right? In a, in a spiritual person. Glory to God. How you can tell someone who's not spiritual? They are dull. Dullness is a way you can, right? There are different kinds of dullness. There is, you can be dull of seeing. It's a, it's a type of dullness when the eyes are, are dim or the eyes are dull, right? There's, but there's also dullness of hearing as well. But hearing are tie, is tied to seeing. Those two senses, actually, hearing can replace seeing. Seeing can replace hearing. Uh, you know that? The way the body is designed. If someone gets blind now, the senses, because the physical eyeballs stop working, the brain will recalibrate and say, okay, the eyeballs are not working. All the things we normally get with the eyes, let's, let's send brain capacity into hearing. And they will add to the hearing. So that's why you cannot hear as well as a blind person. They see with their hearing. Sight can become hearing. Hearing can become sight. They can actually translate into one another. Because when it comes to sense, senses are the same. It's one thing. They, they are different. It's like one, one giant organ that has different points of receiving information. Do you get what I'm saying? So one can be converted into another. Sight can be converted into hearing. Hearing can be converted into seeing. Do, do you understand what I mean? Spiritually. So this, uh, when it says dullness of hearing, is, is, is the demon of senses. Right? Dullness of senses. When you see it's a dull soul. Ah! That's how you know Satan has, been, has walked around this place. Heaven, that's one of the tears. What makes heaven cry? What makes heaven weep is dullness of man. Dullness. You see, a soul can be going to meet in hearing word, but then you don't, you don't check dullness when it comes to how they hear a message, how they come to meet. That's not where you check dullness. After the message has ended, everything. Just stay one place and watch the life. Is in the living. That's where dullness manifests. Do you understand? Where does dullness manifest? Is in the living. How? How? What do I mean by dullness manifesting in living? I mean in terms of it is. You see, living in an oblivious fashion to spiritual impulses. Deadness, dullness, when it comes to spiritual word, spiritual impulses. So spirituality has to translate from listening to message, which is awesome, which you can never stop, and attending meetings. You must begin to move into senses. Your your format of life, your format of living, the level of your rate of response to stimuli or stimulus, your rate of picking of information. You can see a sign of dullness is brutality. What about brutality? It's, it's almost like is a, is you, a person who is dull behaves like a brute beast. 
right? It's like you, you're a beast that is brutal. A brutal person means a beast is like you just, imagine a beast comes in here now. You know how we arrange things, row like this. Chair has a row, that one has its own row. Front row, second row, everything. Space here, aisle. This is the, the, the podium, right? This is there's the space here, you don't need, the, you can't put chair here, nothing. You have to, you know, so that is, is based on, we did this arrangement because of a kind of sensitivity about, if it wasn't like this, it would feel scattered, right? And then a, a human being comes in here, he will sense this place is a bit scattered. Why is it so scattered? This is not how it ought to be, right? But bring a brute here, like the most intelligent dog or something, or like, let's say a bull, let's say a cow or something that's very big. What makes it brute? He can't come here and discern that this chair is arranged and there's a rule or there's, a, there's an order. It is just, it is dull when it comes to. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have senses. When you check that brain of the bull, there's no aspect of the brain that functions towards discerning orderliness, spatial orderliness, the way we do it and we arrange it because it, is, it doesn't have developed senses for such a thing. So you can come here to a bull, everything is to be trampled upon. Everything is to be, can be scattered. It can just run here, scatter the chairs, take anything. Get me the most important, most expensive equipment here. There's no equipment here that that bull can't trample upon. Just leave it in a place where the bull can assess it. To just put his giant fist. Ah, bull, no, that is, that's expensive, you know how much? He doesn't care. It, it's not developed in his senses. A bull can trample upon anything. It's, it's brutal. It's a brute because it's dull. The senses are dull. So is a soul that is dull. A dull soul can, does not sense orderliness in the spirit. A dull, a dull soul cannot perceive order in the spirit. A dull soul does not have the, the same kind of life, doesn't feel the right impulses of life. A dull soul can't perceive when something is spiritually off. A dull soul cannot discern the world. A dull soul cannot discern the adversary. A dull soul cannot perceive danger. The, the, the perception of danger is very, very, very little and very, very short for a soul that is dull. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? A dull soul can hurt life, can cause injury because of brutality, of way of living, the format of life. It's not intelligent enough do you understand what I mean? To, to carry life. Like, you can't bring a brute, any kind of animal, to, and then bring that animal to kind of measure out your own kind of life. The reason why you can't bring a, a, a cow to live with you in your house, it will break all the laws about living in your house. Do you get what I'm trying to say? If you just bring the, 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 a cow to your house and say, okay, in this house, Choose where you are going to sleep. What where looks like where they sleep in this house? It's not going to go to your bedroom. It's not going to go to your bed. 
The way it's going to, to lie down might be strange to you. Because its own way of thinking is different. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm painting an image to you spiritually. Glory to God. So, so you see, this thing about hearkening, senses, all of those things, God, he said, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts as high as the heaven. That's how they, when they look from heaven at men, they see brute, almost like brute beasts. Who are, everything we do is breaking life. Code. Ah, ah. We, we, we are anti-spiritual civilization. We are not civilized spiritually. We do the opposite of what we should be doing. We value the wrong things. We trample upon important things, things that are valuable in the spirit. We trample upon them, but we hold on to what? If you bring an animal here, what they might like, what might, they might fall in love with will be strange to you. It might be the most worthless thing here. The valuable thing, they won't have value for it. Right, that's the nature of pigs and swine, as Jesus was teaching it. Why pigs and swine? They are brutal. Pigs and, sorry, and dogs, sorry. Swine and dogs, pigs and dogs. Right, they cannot, they lack the senses. Right? Why, why shouldn't you cast your pearl before swine? Why shouldn't you give holy things to dogs? They don't lack the sense. They don't have the senses to discern value in those things. They will trample upon it, turn back at you, and do what? Rent you. Praise God. Do you see them? So in that thing, that pig and that dog, they are soulish nature. Soul kind of nature. Nature that has not been cultured in the value of the spiritual. That has not gained the sense of value which the spiritual um, growing in the spirit gives to the soul. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Um, so the, the enemy, the adversary, where he, if you want to check, where does he do his work? Where does he walk in? He goes, he just walks on the senses of men. That's, that's his, his workshop. The workshop. Right? And there's a way he walks on senses. You know, it's to deaden the senses, right? To make it dull when it comes to spiritual things. How do you make senses dull? How do you make senses dull? This is the key wisdom that I want you to understand. How do you make someone dull of hearing? How do you deaden the senses? How do you weaken the senses? You have to understand something about sense. Sense, say senses. That every sense or all senses are designed to perceive a world. Do you get what I'm saying? Senses are designed to do what? A, A world. Senses are for worlds. They are meant to to perceive a world, to interact, receive information from that world. You use your senses to perceive the world, 
to gain information and then conceptualize that information and use it, become functional in that world. Glory to Jesus. Senses are meant to disturb, to discern a world. Now, how do you, darling, how do you weaken senses? It's very simple. You tune the sense to its different world from where it is designed to perceive. Do you get me? You take the senses and you reorient it. It's, an, it's a reorientation. So that's why when it, that, this work of dealing with the senses of men, right? You know, Adam was a living soul. You can't be a living soul without living senses. Right? He had, Adam had living senses inside there. Now, the, the Adam, when he, he saw that this Adam that God has created, God did put him on the earth, but, 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 God, but God put a spiritual consciousness in him that he wasn't just interacting with the earth in an external way. Adam, when he wants to touch the earth, he must go through the spirit. He was using this, he was from the heavens of the earth. That's where he was governing the earth and managing the earth because the heavens of the earth is spiritual. And the heavens of the earth was a, a doorway into heaven, right? It's actually, is a wall, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a realm of spiritual sensibility. So when, when Adam perceived the earth, he doesn't just perceive tree. Adam wanted to see a tree. Adam can, Adam can sense the spiritual essence of a thing, yes. of a tree. He has the ability to touch even the material things. He knows that the root of everything, like he was saying, that things which are, which are made are not made of things. By, by faith, we know that the world were framed by the word of God, so that things which are made are not made out of things which do what appear. Things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So... Adam was able to know that everything you see has a, a dimension to them. And he said, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to tune my senses. It, doesn't, it, it wasn't relating with senses directly, just to things alone. It's like, I, 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 it was able to, he was keyed in by design into the spiritual realm. You understand? So Adam would not be, he, would, he can never relate with a tree just like that. If Adam wants to re relate with a tree, he will commune, he will, he will speak with the word of that tree. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? It is, he, will, yeah. he will check. He, Adam cannot go to a leaf and say, leaf, what are you? Laboratory. Are you green? Okay, chlorophyll. This, uh, that's how he photosynthesis. That's not how Adam knows those things. It's not true by, it's not by, he won't go and say, tree, teach me you, teach me that. He's a rich, he's a fallen man that goes to a tree and cut the tree to a laboratory with, with, with uh, this thing. He knows that that's not where you know the tree. That tree has a logos, it has a word from where it was created, and that thing is in the spirit. So it's just that, does it, do you have the senses to read the logos of the tree? When man doesn't have senses to read logos from where the tree came from, then men have to study it, write textbooks, sell the textbooks, and other guys have to buy textbooks. And if you don't read the textbook of that tree, there's nothing you can do. You don't even you know anything about the tree. Did Jesus read textbooks about nature and all of those things? No, he didn't need to. Honestly to you. Honestly, he didn't. Honestly. 
Honestly, that's the honest truth. If you, in the spirit, the logos for everything is in the spirit. If you learn the spirit, the more spiritually sensitive you are, your senses will begin to pick knowledge. Why? Because you have interaction with the realm of the spirit. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? So when Satan, when Lucifer came to man and he saw man, he said, okay, I see this man, and I see the, 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 the future, I see what God wants to do. I see, because he came, man, he came from a garden. That has been in Eden, the garden. He came from an Eden before. He was in the garden before. He came and saw another garden, Eden man. So it's, it's clear that if Adam was a, an Eden garden man, Adam had his own. Inside his soul also had eyes within and eyes without. Inside his soul. Adam was also a beholder and he was also a hakina. He could hear. He had some kind of ability. Those kind of spiritual senses through which he can discern God. He could discern the presence. He could discern things. You get what I'm saying? How did he name the animal? When God said whatever he called them, that's what they were. You just check the animal, look at them, check. He wasn't just seeing the animal. He looked at the logos of the animal. He has the ability to, do, to, to pierce and see the logos of the animal because of his spiritual senses. I'm just trying to show you that man, what man is meant to be is more than just empirically oriented fellows. That, you, see that, you see, the greatest scientist is a dollar. I'm, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just trying to, to show you something. Praise God. It's not an insult. I'm not insulting. It's not an insult. The, the more you pursue knowledge that way, just know, and you cannot escape it. If you go through just school method of knowing things, you get dollar. Why is that? It's simple. It's simple. That's what Satan is doing. That's just his job. He came to Eden, and he saw man in Eden. He knew the potential of man. How do you subvert this operation? He saw the greatest problem, I mean to him, in man, that we, that we know that if man has this thing, man can, will be unstoppable when it comes to fulfilling God's will, is man's senses. Man's senses. He said, Adam is too in tune with the spirit. You can't have a man like this on the earth. If you have this kind of man, we can never corrupt the earth. We can never bring, you can never subvert things. You can't change things. You can't do anything. Because that man will be a governor of the earth. And he's not, governing, he's not going to creatures to teach him what creatures are. He's, he's tapped into the, 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 the realm where they store the logic of creatures. So, so if he's governing from that place, you understand? Why is that everything we try to fix, we spoil? Just check it. Anything on the earth. The moment, and God hides things from men. The moment men see something, ah, problem. They now form committee, form discovery panel, call scientists, that thing is in trouble. The moment man turns his attention to something, that is the end of it. 
You can go, go and just go and think about what I said and then just think of history. Anything we try to solve, we spoil. We, we mess things up because we try to use a falling, no idea into the logos. You understand what I mean? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, Satan, when he came in, into the, the garden, I'm sorry, when he came to the garden, he saw that that problem, his greatest challenge is the senses of man. So he said, okay, how do we deal with these senses? We have to find a way to, to, to pervert the senses. And how do you pervert the senses? You reorient the senses from, away from the spirit and then move it into what? Another dimension, another world. Make man more sensitive to another dimension. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Make him, make him, that to me, that is the fall of man. Yes. Do you see that? That is the what? The fall. the fall of man. The fall. It has to do with sense. And now what, what, is the, what is the power of senses? Is the senses is the equipment of choice. Do you get that? Is the senses means is the instrument of what? Is what is what is the enablement of choice? Is what, without senses you don't come to the ground of choosing, right? It is those senses is deeper than even just it, your senses are not just a probe. You know, a probe is like, like your eyes. Now, when I say your eyes, I'm not just talking about this physical bulb. Like I said, the bulb can shut down. It's the brain that's really seen. You can say because the physical eye is now bad, we reroute, we take, move from the eyes. Let's open up others, other physical organs to get information. So the real seer is not really this eyes. It's actually the brain. That's the faculty. That's the real eyes inside the person. That's what you call your senses. The spiritual senses is inside. It's what... Is the equipment of choosing. Is the equipment of discernment. Have their senses exercised to do what? Discern. That discern is the is choosing. Choosing. Say choosing. So you see that how sin, the first place that sin manifested was in the corruption of senses. And even in God's when God was in that Genesis chapter 6, when man went far, what, what was the sign that man had fallen? Because you know how they narrated the Bible is according to what the problem was. It was that they took wives of whom they chose. So, so the way the temptation went, you can see, why, why would that be Satan's design? It's because of, did you get what I'm trying to say? Now, why did they take wives of whom they chose? Why did they take other, other women? Because of what? What has happened to the senses? So it's very clear that at that point, those men who were choosing that, they've become dull, concerning, because if you could still see the logos, you can read those women. Yeah. So... It means that those men, those sons of God, they, they gain some strange ability to look at a woman 
without seeing her design, really, in the spirit. They, 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 they couldn't read the woman anymore. You could read. You know how Satan packaged the ladies? Only God knows what he did in those women. You understand what I mean? But he did it to, to appeal to, right? Because seeing inside the man was dealing with his senses. It was caused, it's like when you take an, uh, take an antenna and you turn the antenna. Maybe he's facing this way to get signal from here. Just shift the antenna to this other side. There's another signal coming here that can mimic frequency, mimic all kinds of things. Just without knowing. You just tune it. And it's, it's almost seamless. You don't break transmission. You just, before you know if you have shifted to another source. You don't know. You are receiving from this source before, but now you are receiving from the other source. You know the way our soul is, we bounce between sources. That's one of the things when they are trying to save you. From, from one day your antenna is in the spirit, another day is in the flesh. It's a, it's a, it's a war of orientation of our senses. Our senses are not solidified. Someone can just be doing so well, you praise the person. Wow, beautiful, doing so nicely in the spirit. You are excelling in the spirit. But you forgot that these senses have not been fully exercised. And Satan knows how to do it. He knows where to come. He knows, he knows how to broadcast. Another channel, another... I, I, I praise God. Move the orientation. Before you know it, you start picking up another. Hmm? You might feel you are tuned to the same frequency, but if you are, without TV, the picture will just change. The movie will change, eh? And you know the, you know the thing? Is that... You know, the farther you go away from a signal, the, the weaker the strength. You don't just shift one day into, from spiritual. Adam didn't shift, or the sons of Adam, they did not shift quickly into looking at the outward. They, they try to hold on to gazing in the spirit. Look, keep, keep looking at the spirit. Keep reading the Logos. You know, that's what the living soul reads. The living soul reads the word. It reads the Logos. But because of turning away, as that the senses are being diverted, the picture quality, the definition of the picture through which he's seeing the logos became dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. But he doesn't know that another broadcast is already being prepared. When the enemy switched the station, what will happen? It's like going from watching standard definition 240p or whatever to 4D. <coughs> What's the 4D or 4K or what? Or HD. Nobody sees in the flesh blurry. The, their power of transmission. Satan has raised spirits, power. They have transmission ability. They make sure that every vision that flesh shows you is always clear and clean and clear cut. Have, have you ever seen in the flesh dimly? You don't see dimly in the flesh. 
is clear. Everything about flesh is clear. In fact, you see so clearly in the flesh that you are so sure that this is your world. It's so clear to you what to do with your life, at your, what age, where to go from here, how to make decisions. That nothing is blurry about life. Everything is just clear. The major decisions you have to do. It's only when it comes to spiritual things you have to, hey, karamasu, you have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. In fact, because of that fogginess, saziness, you usually just get tired. After some point, you can get convinced that that world is not your world, that this is your native environment. Satan, an enemy, has done that. And he didn't just do it in one day, it took generations of the, the erosion of sight. There was a time when men could see the spirit clearly. How clearly could Adam see the spirit? By spirit, I mean the, the logos. Adam could see the logos clearly. He could see the world clearly. But it took time. Glory to Jesus. Genesis chapter 3, when he came into the garden, right? That tree. that he brought was the tree is called the tree of the knowledge of what? Of good and evil. Tree of the knowledge. That is a tree of discernment. Knowledge of good and evil. Right? For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So if he's promising this thing, and then the woman looked at it and said, wow, this is actually good for food. Not bad. And they, they accepted the seed and they ate the seed. It means that that seed also has the capacity, by reason of use, to have their senses exercised to do what? to discern good and evil, but it's an exercise of, for good and evil, oriented towards another world, right? Towards another world that has been prepared. Now, when I say another world, I'm talking about physical things, civilization. That one started by Cain. Cain is the one who then left the presence of God, went out, began to now build structures, begin to physical cities that were not there before. He began to build it. What, what, was, he, what was his prototype? Where was he reading from? It's another world. It's the, it's, the, it's the realm where his senses were keyed into that he began to download. After a while, Cain was no longer seeing the spirit clearly. He turned his gaze from the spirit because they brought another wall to him. The moment he, be, he began to open his door to sin, sin is a wall, right? There's a wall called sin. Sin is, is a world. Once sin is open to the soul, like it was open to Cain, he could now, what he was building, when he was building city, he was just taking sin, 
interpreting sin, converting sin into cities, converting sin into technology, converting sin into, into civilization. That's what he kept doing because his senses have become tuned to what? To sin. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And one thing that happened in that time, Satan was not, he wasn't slow. He was very fast. Very, very quickly, sin does not slow down. Sin races quickly. In, in, although their generations were long, but sin raced quickly to advance so much that God said, no, we can't allow sin to continue. We have to find a way to destroy everything. That So Jesus, the Lord sent water to destroy men physically. And not just men, he didn't only destroy men, he destroyed structures, he destroyed civilizations, he destroyed the world. All the things that sin had interpreted on the earth. Thank God that we didn't come and meet those things. We don't know what else. We are str- just struggling with financial sector of this, this time, our own version. We are, we are in trouble. Now imagine they threw you into a city that came built. Are you going to survive? Somebody who, who, who could read sin raw sin and be downloading prototype from sin, wisdom of sin, to raise cities and build all those things. What about Balaam, who was a mighty hunter? So it means that what Balaam, Balaam when he builds a city, the city has the strength of hunting. That hunting is for souls. It hunts. It can hunt a soul. It's clear Balaam was higher than Cain. You know, a civilization can haunt you. How do, how, do, how do I mean? You can't turn your eye from it. It will haunt your soul. It means that to, to, to be a hunter, hunt, hunting, praise God. Hallelujah. Hunting is specialized. You want to hunt an animal. Hunting is not like fishing, you throw a net. No, you don't hunt by, you're not a hunter if you are throwing net. And another thing for hunting, hunting is very specialized. You must do something specific. For that specific animal that you want to hunt. The way you hunt a deer is not the same way you hunt a monkey. It's not the same way you hunt an antelope. There's something about hunting means specialized. You are trained to track their places. You know where they go. You know where to wait for them. You know what, you know, you know the subtlety. Hunters have all kinds of things. They even set traps. You know, the, and different kind of trap for different kind of animal. You understand what I'm trying to say? So the kind of cities that Balaam built was different. They are hunting cities. And how, you, how, how do those cities hunt soul? When a soul come around that city, you will find a vice, something in the city for your soul. You won't, there's no kind of person who will pass that place and say, ah, it's just, there's nothing for me here. It's just these guys, the things that these guys are doing don't interest me. When you go there, you find that your own soul has been haunted. That there's something about, are you getting what I'm saying? Haunting, that's how you know sin has prospered high, is that it begins to show multifaceted wisdom that can do, do more specific haunting. So you're seeing that kind of Balaam, what you call the way of Cain, according to the Bible. If, the, if they're worrying about the way of Cain, it means it will come again to the earth. The way of Balaam will come again to the earth. You will have generations that will produce civilizations that have haunting power that can go, you know the haunt is to kill, it's specialization in, in killing, you understand what I mean? That 
you know, no, any kind of, be any kind of soul. Have your own kind of interest. When you come to that place, that civilization, you know that they have their own place for you. It means that what can kill your soul will be there. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So, do you, do you believe that the sons of God were hunted? You see, how were they hunted? You don't know those women were hunters? How, how can a woman hunt a man? A woman can be designed, will have a design. That when this man sees the woman, he will speak in tongues and say, Karihamata Jeha, this is the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. That man has been haunted. Not, not by the woman, it's by the spirit that fashioned their design. It's, it's, it, the spirit had that, that soul in mind. So Satan counted the sons of God. Each of them, he designed women. That's what you call hunting. Hunting is a design. It's, a, it's an operation of wisdom. When you talk of hunting a soul. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think you are being hunted? Now, or do you think that in our generation now, do you think the level of Satan's operation is, is just trim Blind net. Let's just throw a net wherever it catches. You think that's how Satan is operating? Do you know, do you think there are designs of darkness against your soul? Yes, sir. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the precision at which does entity. Because men have gone far. We have given, we have surrendered our civilization to him. We've surrendered our world to him. We say, Satan, take our world, do, make of it as what you want. Say, oh, I can use it. No problem. No problem. I'll just bring spirits. We, we call them wickednesses, right? Those spirits, they don't, everything they, everything they design is specific. It's specific to a soul. They want it such that That every so you will need to walk too far to find a pit that is the shape of your soul. You won't that you will need to search for destruction. Destruction that wasted at noonday. It's like that's what Psalm 91 was speaking concerning. Glory to Jesus. That's why the summary of the message is you can't be, you can't be, um, when it comes to your senses, don't feel that you can be in tune with the world and just be, you know, that feeling of just enjoying not being spiritual, that kind of thing. You don't know that if you, if you are, you, you are tuned into a realm, you're going to pick signal. 
You can't be in the flesh. That's not the word. Don't be in the flesh. Don't live in the flesh. Don't walk according to the flesh because you don't know the kind of signal your antenna is going to pick. The, what I'm preaching against now is just the antenna, maybe your, the signal you're picking right now. And God wants to save you quickly to turn your senses away from the signal. You don't know what signal you're going to pick tomorrow. And you don't know that. You don't know if the message... <laughs> has gone far enough. I mean, the prosperity of the message in you has gone far enough to save you from frequencies of transmission in the spirit. Like those sons of God, they were not planning to leave God. They were not planning to choose their own way. They were not planning. They were just doing their own thing until the woman landed. They just move and they, they saw what they didn't have the ability, right? Before you know it, they started making choices. Choices they never thought they could ever make. They made those choices, right? Because they are what their heart, the, the antenna of their soul was what wasn't, has what been tuned. Their senses have been moved away from the realm where it should be keyed into. Praise Jesus. The Lord will help us. I'm sorry. So many things more to say, but there's no time. Um, we have to go. Um, I just hope you caught the core of what I'm, of the message today. Um, amen. Amen. Our senses must be exercised to discern good and evil in spirit. Just pray that that the Lord will help your heart to deal with dullness. You know that dullness in the spirit is a sharpness in in the world of the adversary. That every tuning of our senses that make us sensitive to the wrong things. You know, we, we're more sensitive to the wrong things. That the things that occupy our, our senses, that mercy, help from heaven, help from the Lord, Thank you, Jesus.
in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you tonight. We pray. We know that you have, that you've sent help to us in line with what your spirit has shared to us. Lord, we just say that you will send help to every soul. Lord, according to the need that we all have needs at different levels. That Lord, your spirit will be piercing in our heart, that you will arrive at that point of need. And Lord, we ask, we praying for there will be revivals, healing of dullness, that grace that will move into, Lord, our spiritual senses to rearrange it, to redesign it and refashion it and reorient it, Lord, towards you, towards your purposes and towards your will. Thank you, our Lord. We give all the honor to you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.